massive announcement for all community rugby in Wales in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Changing the tackle height in all community rugby in Wales from next season. A small change, just a few inches, but it'll have a big impact. The lessons from trials abroad suggest that impact will be positive, making the game safer and more fun to play. But let WRU Community Director Geraint John explain. The new directive tackle law, why we're doing it is, one, you know, we had a full discussion with World Rugby to start off with and uh, all community directors, there's 16 of us that uh, were brought together to discuss where the game is going in the community game, how do we make it more enjoyable, how do we give people more better experience playing the game, how do we make it safer, how do we also try and increase participation and uh, one of the things World Rugby talked to us about, uh, this is a research that they've done in the last six years, so it's not just something that has come out of the blue and people there, this is a, you know, they provided evidence to 16 countries on what has been going on in the last six years, in whether in France, whether in uh, New Zealand and also in South Africa and the evidence suggests that by adopting the new tackle law is that reduces head-on-head collisions, reduces concussions. So therefore, that's making the game safer. But also, people forget about what else does it do in terms of, well, it's bringing out more offloads. People have found that there's more passes in the game. There's been trials where there's more tries being scored. And there's also been trials whereby more people have wanted to play the game because they feel it's a lot safer. So uh, they've asked countries to adopt it for a two-year trial period. We've had internal discussions. We've consulted and liaised with over a 1,000 people in Wales, so we've done webinars. We've listened as well to them because, uh, you know, we listened to the regions and the Premiership who asked that they could be aligned. And so we won't be adopting in the Premiership and the regions in the male game. But from Championship down in, in the male game to under 12 and from the women's and girls game from the Premiership right down, our under 12s will stay in the same pathway. But why we're doing it? Because we feel, one... It's the right thing to do. You know, we're always conscious, how do we grow the game? How do we bring more participants? How can we actually make sure that parents feel that the game is safe and enjoyable? You know, I play the game. I thought, you know, it's not only about just playing the game, but what other life experience can it give you? And we want youngsters to have that possibility as well. You see a lot of comments based on what people see week to week in front of them and their experiences. This is pretty well researched. This is worldwide. (laughs) Thousands of matches studied. As you say, all these countries have been looking into it. And I think that's the key thing. Is this is about insight and evidence. And that this insight and evidence is telling us that this reduces. The, the biggest risk in the game and the most times that concussions take place or injuries take place is the tackler at the moment. And people could ask, why isn't it being adopted elsewhere? Why is it under the community game? This is probably the first time that anything has been adopted from the bottom, and it could go up. You know, Usually trials take place in the professional game, and it's come down. But this is, as you said, six years of research, six years of evidence gathering in the men's and women's game, and they've shown that this new directive eventually makes players feel safe, more offloads, more tries, more participants, and less uh, concussions, less head-on-head. So uh, we feel it's important to actually adopt. Yeah, there will be difficult times in September, October, where players have to adapt. You know, players who've been playing the game for a number of years, who've got a certain tackle technique. Yeah, we have to change. But the key thing is about where we're going long-term with this. And, you know, what does the 12-year-old want? What does today's mum and dad want for their boy or, or their girl as well? That's important for us. 
probably be a lot of mystification in the touchlines in those early games. But I suppose that's what this is aimed at, making sure people do understand what's happening. Yeah, and I think sort of, again, here today we've got a great amount of media here. It's important that we get the right message across. We've got the resources available, so it's not just resources for the players to learn from, but our coaches, but our match officials, but our parents, our spectators, everybody that's on the sideline. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but the, the key, one of the asks for me is that please respect you know, the people that are on the field as well. Will there be mistakes? Of course there's mistakes, because people have to adapt to change. But all I ask is that we'll have two sets of 15 on the field, We'll have youngsters on the field. We'll have adults, male and uh, women on the field. And we'll have a match official on there as well. So the big thing that I'd ask is that please respect them. Please help us. Please support. And remember why we're doing it. It's to make the game safer and more enjoyable and to grow it. And overall, at the end of the season, there was a lot of focus on games not happening, community numbers. Hopefully this will help. But where do you think it is at the end of the season and going into yeah. next year? It depends who you ask, really. If you ask somebody on the street, they'll probably tell you that the game is dying statistically and evidently we've got more players registered than we've ever had before we've got the highest number of boys and girls between the age of 12 to 16 ever before so from a registration perspective we've got more players actually who want to take part we have to remember that doesn't mean they play every single week so there's also life changes that have taken place you know this season that has just gone as you mentioned you know yes there were games that was our first time we've had a full season since 2018-19 people forget that I think people have forgotten that Covid ever existed because we should be back to normal but people are making life choices now they may want to play for two weeks they may not want to play for the next week they may want to go away with their families they want to go away on holidays they want to do other activities and that's okay that's fine but we've got to adapt to that change as well. And that's one of the things we're talking closely around in terms of what do our leagues look like moving forward? Should we have 12 team leagues? Should we have 10 team leagues? What is our length of the season? When should we play? You know, we know we have rearranged games. You know, last year, December and January were write-offs for us last year. So if they are write-offs and evidence tells us they're write-offs, so you've got to take eight weeks away from your season. So when do those games get played? So we've got to look at all that to see how we can fit the games in. And when do rearranged games take place? You know, at the end of the season, we had Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Some instances we had Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Monday. People were playing, you know, ridiculous amount of games at the end of the season. We can't allow that to happen. It's not right for players, not right for their welfare, not right for their time. So we've got to look at it sort of like, should we maybe have a reduction in the leagues? Should we have less numbers? But allow people to play on a Saturday. If they want to have rearranged games, they can play it on the Saturday. So all those things, we are in the mix of looking at that. We're looking at, you know, registration. And the other thing that we'll have next year to help us in our insight and data, we're actually making sure that everybody now, there will be compulsory team sheets. So we'll be able to monitor every single player from next season to find out how many are actually playing every week, but also how many are playing maybe every two or three weeks as well. So despite the doom and gloom, not so bad. I never say there's doom and gloom, but you know that. But there's doom and gloom out there, isn't there? There's, there's, there's always doom and gloom out there, and that may be our fault in terms of we don't get the message out there. And sort of like, again, people may not like the decision we make today, but again, we're always making decisions in terms of what is right for the player, how do we grow the game, how to retain our players, and sometimes change is difficult. People don't like change, but we're not making change just for the sake of it. We're making change based on insight and evidence and research to keep the game sustainable and growing right across the male and the, uh, the women's game. That's what we want. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. So a bit more of a positive message to finish with there. But back to the tackle height. 
For it to work, the referees have to be clear and firm. WIU National Performance Manager for Referees, Paul Adams, describes how crucial their role will be. I think it's going to be huge initially. I think they've got to be sympathetic as well, or empathetic, I should say, not sympathetic, because if they're sympathetic, they're not going to change players' behaviour. So they've got to be strict with the application. But I think there's also an education part that the referees can play here as well, in that they stop the game and explain to players why the tackles are high. And hopefully, if we do that over the months, then the incidence of high tackles will get lower. But I think is a massive coaching implication here as well, rather than just a refereeing implication. If the coaches get it right and the coaches coach it properly, then the referee won't have to make those tough decisions of seven, eight penalties on the trot for innocuous high tackles. But I think if we're going to change behaviour, we've got to be hard on it in the first couple of months and then keep it through, which we tend not to do sometimes as referees. We go hard on a particular thing and then it drifts off. And I think we've got to stick to our guns just over the season here if we're going to change players' behaviour. So even if you see a game with 30, 40, 50 penalties, you've got to stick at it? You've got to stick at it, yeah, because the players have got to adapt. And it's going to take a lot for them to adapt. And I think it'll take a lot for the referees to adapt as well because a referee doesn't want to go out there and give 40 penalties. You know, a referee wants a game of, of rugby where nobody notices. And I think probably they'll be the centre of attention in the first month or so. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. right. I suppose part of it as well is trying not to necessarily give penalties, but a lot of advantage maybe in explaining what's happening. Yeah, I think when the decisions were, tackles were explained in there then and they said this is a high tackle but it's a play on, it's not a play on, it's an advantage. So it's still illegal and it may be the play goes to the other end of the field and the referee blows his whistle and says that was an illegal tackle over there but I've played on so you know let's keep the tackle lower. So again it's a little bit of coaching from the referee I think and uh, this is what we've got to try to get over to him in our conferences now. WIU issue throat lozenges, is that going to be one of the things? Oh, I think some referees like to talk anyway, so I don't think we'll have a problem with that. (laughs) (laughs) And I suppose one of the worries would be referees are going to get a lot more criticism, maybe from the sidelines, maybe from people who don't know what's going on, don't agree with what's going on, don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Is that a worry as well, that we might see referees get a bit more criticism than they should? Yeah, I think it is, and I, I think the clubs can play a part here as well in trying to get this message across. Because, of course, a lot of people will be watching a, a URC game on a Friday night, and then it's virtually a different game than on the Saturday, and unless they're educated in it, they, they won't understand it. So I think perhaps a liaison officer with the clubs as well to try to explain to some of the diehard supporters why this is going on. I don't want to be standing in a stand explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you will be. But if the objective is to make it safer, make it more fun, we're hearing about player numbers going up in France because people are enjoying the game, tries going up, ball in play, offloads. The referees have a big part to play in that, but do it well, they'll be quite rewarding. Yeah, I think if it comes to fruition like it's done in, in other countries, then it's obviously going to be a more enjoyable game to, to referee. We all want to enjoy a game where there's 30 points, 40 points scored. So we just have to stick to our guns, really, and see what happens now over the next couple of weeks. So that's the official explanation and the view from the referees' camp. What about the coaches? The official launch was at Lanharan, and coach Gareth Nicholas was on hand. He's a highly experienced coach, having been involved at national and regional age-grade levels, as well as success at Lanharan and plenty of other places. So what will the changes mean from a coaching point of view? I don't think it's a big job at all because nobody in their right minds is coaching people to tackle between 
the sternum and the neck. It's more a, an implication on, on what will happen, how you would call it attack, not so much defence, because most of the defence is taught tackling on the, on the sternum down. So how you make the most of the opportunity to maybe get more offloads and more passes into yeah, the game? Yeah, because um, once the first person made the tackle, people won't be able to come in over the top of you. So they, if people can get their arms clear, push both arms clear. It bodes well for, the, for entertainment. I think it's um, a very small change with massive implications. I mean, you've been involved in rugby a long time. Yeah, are, you, are you almost quite excited about this change? It's almost going back to how the game was played 20, 30 years ago, where it seemed a lot more tackles with that sort of height. Yeah, I think um, any laws that come out, you have to embrace. It's not going to say mourning and groaning and uh, this shouldn't happen, this making the game soft. They are the laws of the game. You have to embrace them and you have, it's a challenge to try and figure out different ways to play against teams using the new laws and the teams who embrace it the quickest will be the teams that are the most successful and we've already started. You've already, even before the, the official clarifications come out, you've already been working on yeah. this? Yeah, we, uh, we started pre-season yesterday, we started with a view towards uh, more offloads making defenders stretch a little bit more. In those um, first few weeks, the teams that give away the fewest penalties is going to be a big factor, and the teams that can create more, I suppose, as well. So you could have had a little advantage there. Yeah, we've also worked on different ways to defend against it, because um, you won't be able to defend against the off-road in the usual way of wrapping people up, so you've got to stop them getting front football. You can't play an off-road game going backwards, so... Um, it's exciting, it's nerve-wracking as well, but I'm hoping it's going to suit the style of play we uh... Just on a wider basis, you'll be hoping to build on the success you've had at Llanharan last season, gaining promotion. Yeah. What, what have the changes been? Because Llanharan were not in the place that maybe you're used to be as a club, but you're getting there. It's a good club, there's a lot of people who work behind the scenes for no money at all. That's the first thing, myself and Andy Price, the, the other coach, and we were given carte blanche to, to do what we want. And I think what we tried to do was take it back to, and it's a cliche to say old-fashioned old values, but Clanharan is here to service the, the, the people of Clanharan. That's when it was originally made, the rugby club was originally made to service the people from Clanharan, Bryn, Kai, Brynne. Uh, and we've gone back to that. So all our players are from the furthest they come from. Something like Ton Revan. The two coaches are the, the travel the furthest. When we played Penn Turk at the end of the season, we had the wind to go up. There were 1,500 people here. And that's based on the fact that they're all local boys. The way I look at it, um, if I brought Dan Carter in to play, the place would be packed. If you interviewed people, would say, um, Did you enjoy that? Yeah. What do you think of Dan Carter? Very good. Are you coming next week? No, I've seen him once, I want to see him again. But the young man that lives three doors down from that works his. The trolley's off every week. Uh, they have an investment in them. They have an investment in local people. Uh, and if, if you stay local, bring its own benefits. And it, it's, it's, you know, it has shown in Tanan, and it's on a, uh, quite a small scale. And I understand that uh, the regions can't do that. Probably neither can the um, Premiership clubs, but the community side of the game. We don't pay a penny, and if they um, we've had, I've had this conversation with the, the chairman. We're both in agreement. If Sarhan decide to pay, we'll walk away. I guess it's a nice place to be at the moment. It's a real positive um, vibe around the place. And that community spirit is what made the club 
what it is, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was when I was playing for Tondi, actually. And they don't despise each other. There's a lot of respect between, each other, between the, both the clubs. But, I mean, people like Trevor Wood and Jimmy Morris, people that it was all built on those people, they would find it uh, abhorrent to see people being bought in. I don't mean I'm not putting myself up as without fault. I mean, I was responsible for Tony paying a lot of money and Tony suffered at that. So I learned my lesson, but the, the important thing is I think I did learn my lesson. It's a great club, it's got a great history. Hopefully we'll find our level. If our level is Division 2, it's Division 2. If it's Division 1, it's Division 1. You count the, the chimney pots, it's not it's going to be the Premier Division. Because it can't compete with the likes of Cardiff, Merthyr, just count the chimney pots. And just finally, having got promotion last year, what are the hopes and expectations for this coming season? <sighs> we just concentrate on doing the best we possibly can. I know that's a little bit, that's not really an answer you want to hear, but... Uh, we made some sound recruitments. I think we will be competitive. That's what it is. Every game we go out, we're competitive. Interesting views. Much more to come over the summer on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But until next week, goodbye. <laughs>